Welcome to Living a Parable. This podcast is based on award-winning devotional, Living a Parable, Finding Lessons in Unlikely Experiences, written by author and motivational speaker, Sylvia Davis. In this podcast, we focus on the fact that God is always teaching, and even in the most mundane experiences in our lives, usually, if we dig just a little beneath the surface, there's a nugget of knowledge waiting. So, be sure to take out a pen and paper so that you can jot down whatever the Spirit brings to your mind and join me as we extract a lesson from this week's account of an unlikely experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Episode 3 of Living a Parable Podcast, the podcast where we remind you that life isn't something that happens to you, but something that happens for you, and where we like to remind you to be on the lookout for those lessons that tend to present themselves almost every day. Last week was a rough one for me. Last week, I had to make the decision once again to stay on the ship. I have two children. They're both adults now, but they're still my babies. And when my youngest, our daughter, was around seven, she started to complain of a pain in her legs. The doctors the, the doctors couldn't find anything. And basically, they just went ahead and they dismissed it as growing pains. And they sent us on our way, telling us that the pain, you know, just give it some time, it'll go away. But instead of going away, it, the pain got worse. The, it became more intense and it was also no longer confined to just her legs. It was now, she could feel it in both of her arms. The pain was extremely sporadic. There was no rhyme or reason that we could figure out anyway that, that caused it. Sometimes it'd be in one arm. Sometimes it'd be in the other arm. Sometimes it'd be in a leg or an arm and a leg or at its worst, in all four limbs. When the pain was at its worst, it would actually even affect her ability to walk. I mean, I'll never forget the time she was 16 years old and this girl couldn't wait to be able to date and couldn't wait to be able to stay out till midnight. So this is how I know that the pain was significant. She was on a date and she had her date bring her home. It was early. It was about 10 p.m. And when she came into our room, because I was already in bed, she she came in the room and, and I saw the door open. It was dark. She didn't turn on any lights and I could just see her silhouette and I could tell that she was hobbling. She couldn't She couldn't walk. So she hobbled over to my side of the bed. She didn't say anything, but she, I could hear her. And she just, I just scooted over and she got in the bed with me and we just laid there together and, and we both cried. I can't tell you how many nights I prayed. I prayed, I prayed for answers and I prayed for the pain to go away. I, I prayed that we could just find out what it was. I felt like if we knew what it was, we could come up with a plan of attack and we could do what we needed to do in order to make the pain go away. Then the day after her 18th birthday is when we actually got our answer. My daughter had small fiber neuropathy. 
I know what most of you are thinking. You're like, what is that? Most people, when they think of neuropathy, they think of diabetes, but this isn't that. Jordan, that's my daughter's name, Jordan is not diabetic. Small fiber neuropathy is a type of peripheral neuropathy that occurs from damage to the small peripheral nerve fibers. And I know that probably does not get you any closer to understanding what small fiber neuropathy is, but I'll just tell you this. It is a condition that is characterized by severe pain. Jordan's case is considered idiopathic, meaning it's a fancy way to say we don't know what causes it. In the cases of some people, it can be a vitamin deficiency. It can be an autoimmune thing. In Jordan's case, we haven't been able to figure out yet what it is. When you look at Jordan or when you talk to her, most of the time you you can't tell she's in pain depending upon how badly she's hurting at the moment. I mean, pain has just become a part of her life. But every now and again, the pain becomes too much. She no longer lives at home with us. So I've asked her to call me whenever the pain becomes unbearable. So that way we can join forces and we can pray together. And also selfishly, it's so I know that if I don't get a phone call, I I know she's okay. But a couple of weeks ago, that phone call came at three in the morning. Another characteristic of this condition is the fact that it tends to intensify when the person is trying to sleep or rest. So what happened last week was we had another dead-end, disappointing doctor's visit that left me in tears and left me with more questions than answers and left me with no real way to console my daughter. And after that appointment, I could not help but to think about all the years that I have been praying. I mean, all of the tears that our family has shed over this, all of the times that I've hugged my daughter and kissed her forehead as she cried, knowing that there was absolutely nothing that I could do to make this pain just stop. And never knowing how long she was going to have to hurt before it stopped. After this doctor's appointment, I I hit a low spot. I will admit it. I hit a low spot. I ran through my head verses like 1 John 3.22 that says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And I saw verses like James 5, 14 through 15 and John 14, 13 through 14 and so many other verses that tell us about the power of prayer. But at this particular moment, instead of those verses uplifting me and giving me hope, they just made me cry more and, and ask more questions. Have you ever felt like you're doing all that you can do and all that you know how to do and like God just is not listening. Or or much worse, you start to question if there is a God at all. Now, I'm going to be, I did not go that far. I did not, I never questioned his existence. But I did question why he wasn't answering my prayers. Years and years I have prayed for this same thing. And years and years she continues to suffer I questioned what I was doing, what I wasn't doing, what I should be doing, what I could be doing. To me, this 
is every bit a me and God thing as it is a Jordan and God thing, because I can see in the New Testament where parents came to Christ on behalf of their children and the children were healed at the parents' request. I know Jordan is an adult, but you have to remember this started when she was seven, as well as my prayers. In the midst of all these questions, I decided to call someone who I know loves the Lord and and, and whose opinion I trust very much. And that was my dad. I, I called him and I asked him, why? Why wasn't God helping me with this? His answer was pretty simple. His answer was, I don't know, baby, but you can't stop praying. You can't stop believing. And I'm hearing his words and I know that he's right, but it's just, it's not helping me in this particular moment. They just weren't. But then he hit me with this, with this question. He said to me, he said, you remember when Christ prayed in the garden, right? What did he want? And what was, what was God's answer to him? Now, if you aren't familiar with what my dad was talking about, he's referring to the three times Christ prayed the night before his crucifixion. It's mentioned in three of the four Gospels, but Luke's account is the one that, to me, gives the depiction of what Christ was really feeling. He describes Christ as being in agony and praying fervently and sweating as though he was sweating drops of blood. He did not want to do what he was about to do. But he made sure that he put God's will before his own. There was a purpose for what he was being called to do. So when I hung up the phone with my dad, my thoughts shifted. They shifted from the promises of answered prayers to what we are told about trials in the Bible. I thought of Job, who suffered immensely, but stayed true to God. And I thought of how how in Job 2, verse 10, right after his wife said, curse God and die, he asked, he said, basically, are we only to accept good from God? I thought of Joseph, who was sold into slavery and the years he spent falsely imprisoned because he was doing the right thing. I thought of Romans twelve twelve, where we are told to rejoice in hope and to be patient in tribulation. And of course, the big one, James 1, 2 through 4, where it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. As children of God, we aren't promised smooth sailing. As a matter of fact, we are promised the exact opposite. We are promised that trials will come, but that doesn't mean that God is not holding true to his promises to answer prayer. When we go through trials that test our faith, we have to make up our minds to stay on the ship. In Acts chapter 27, we we read about how Paul and some other prisoners were being taken. They were going to be taken to Italy by ship. In verse 10, Paul tried to warn 
all of them. He tried to say, look, if we set sail, our lives are going to be in danger and everything we take with us is going to be in danger. But the centurion in charge trusted the pilot of the ship and ignored Paul's warnings. That sounds logical to me. (laughs) But then as just as Paul had warned, they found themselves in a deadly situation. There was a storm, a horrific storm. And in verse 20, it states that the storm had lasted for days now and the hopes of them being saved, gradually, they they gradually abandoned those hopes. And then Paul reminded them that he had warned them before that this was going to happen and they didn't listen to him then. But he told them to keep their courage because he had been told that they were all going to live. But they had to do something very specific in order for that to happen. They had to stay in the ship. No matter how what happened, no matter how afraid they became, they had to stay in the ship until, as it says in verse 26, they ran aground on a certain island. 14 days pass and the storm continues to rage on. And there came a point where they thought They were going to run aground and the sailors on the ship decided that that was the moment to escape. But Paul said to the centurion, he basically said, look, you better stop them because if they get off the ship, we are all going to die. The centurion listened to Paul that time and he and the soldiers prevented the sailors from leaving the ship. And because they all stayed on the ship, they all lived. I'm not the one, I'm not the one dealing with this pain. So you may think this is easy for you to say, Sylvia, but if you've watched someone you love more than yourself suffer and couldn't help, then I don't need to explain to you that that is a pain in its own right. Watching my child suffer for no reason that I can understand And spending time and thousands of dollars in search for answers has definitely storm-tossed my ship. It has left me reeling with questions. I have had to remind myself, I have had to remind myself that my faith is not based on whether I get my own way. And that is what it boils down to. It boils down to faith. We know that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But it is also impossible for faith to exist without trials. So I guess another way to look at it is, if you're going to please God, you're going to go through trials. And isn't it ironic that in order to get stronger, we have to go through the very things that if we succumb to them, will make us weaker? For example, When I'm being really good and following my plans, you can find me at the gym six days a week. When I first started, I experienced some serious muscle soreness and my cardio endurance was an absolute joke. But the only way for me to improve, the only way for me to get stronger in that area was to fight through those very things that at that time made me feel weaker for doing them. If you're being storm-tossed right now, hold on knowing that even in trials, there lies a bigger purpose. 
You might be going through your trial because there is something so important that God has plans for you and you have to get stronger. You have to experience that muscle soreness. It has to build. It has to grow because it's going to take a very strong version of yourself to do what he needs you to do. So you can allow that trial to make you or break you. Every motivating story you have ever heard was about someone who overcame adversity. No one is moved or inspired by someone having something that is just given to them. Life is in the ship. No matter how afraid you may become or how many doubts the enemy presents you with, cling to the fact that life is in the ship. So hold on. Keep praying, keep trusting, keep believing, and know that he does hear you. Know that you're not by yourself and know that your suffering matters to him. Know that he has a plan. Know that trials strengthen you. They perfect you so that you will lack nothing. Trials will empower you so that you can help others to stay on the ship. We can't. And we won't always understand his plan. It just is not possible. But we have to fight to trust him, to believe he always has our best at heart. And don't forget Romans 8, 28. And know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So, We have to put his will before our own and stay in the ship. And quite honestly, even if I jumped out the ship, I'm going to die because I don't know how to swim. There's one other thing I want to add before I bring this to a close. And that is, I want to take this opportunity to ask you to please help spread the word about small fiber neuropathy. So many of those who have it, they hurt every day and I consider myself and Jordan blessed about the fact that she does experience relief, but there are so many out there that don't. The pain is nonstop. Please imagine that for a moment, that kind of severe pain, and it never goes away. And doctors give you no hope that it's going to go away. What do you think your life would be like? What do you think your quality of life would be like if you were that person? They hit walls when trying to get approved for medical procedures that may help. They deal with doctors who don't understand it and leave them with no hope. Then worse, many of them have family and friends who don't believe the pain is real because they don't, quote unquote, look sick. According to foundationforpn.org, millions of people suffer from this condition, 30 million of them in the U.S. alone, and thanks to covid That number is growing. We have got to do something to help. This condition is physically draining and it's mentally draining. For a much better explanation on what small fiber neuropathy is, please visit foundation4pn.org. Or for a first-person account, visit jenroland.com. That's J-E-N-R-O-L-A-N-D.com. Jen is a board-certified health coach who also suffers from small fiber neuropathy, and as a result of her trials, she's focused her efforts on helping those with chronic pain and illness. So if you're listening to this and you do suffer from small fiber neuropathy, I have a message for you. Please, please stay strong. 
Please know that there are others out there that are praying for you. And please know that there are resources. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Living a Parable podcast, brought to you by award-winning author and motivational speaker, Sylvia Davis. Be sure to follow this podcast and tune in every Monday for a new episode. And for even more stories and lessons like the one you heard today, visit www.livingaparable.com to order your copy of Living a Parable, Finding Lessons in Unlikely Experiences, available in paperback, ebook, and audible. So until next time, my friends, be blessed. Thank you.